The story that I have for you today comes from a really lovely picture book, and you're not going to get the illustrations, but if you love the story, I encourage you to seek out the book. Every Saturday, Julian and his abuela went swimming. They would ride the subway to and from the pool, and one day, Julian saw three mermaids on the subway. Julian loved mermaids. He imagined himself as a mermaid, taking off all of his clothes, swimming in the sea with a tail surrounded by other beautiful sea creatures, wearing a lovely necklace of sea stars. His reverie was interrupted by Abuela. Vamanos mijo, she said. It's our stop. The mermaids waved to Julian as he got off the subway. <laughs> All the way, the rest of the way home, as they walked past girls playing in the spray of a fire hydrant, and old men sitting on front stoops with their dogs, Julian kept thinking about mermaids. Did you see the mermaids, Abuela? he asked. Yes, mijo, she said. I am also a mermaid, Abuela, said Julian. Abuela didn't say anything as they got to their front door and she unlocked it. They went inside. I'm going to take a bath, she announced. You be good. Julian looked around the front room and had an idea. Why, the leaves of the fern and the flowers on the end table would make beautiful long mermaid hair if tied on Julian's head with one of Abuela's scarves. And the lace curtain on the window would make a lovely mermaid tail if tied around Julian's waist. When Abuela came out from her bath, she saw Julian, the mermaid, and a shredded fern, an empty flower vase, and the curtain pulled off the front window. Oh, she exclaimed. Uh-oh, thought Julian. <laughs> Abuela came back again with her hand behind her back. Come here, Mio, she said. And then she held out to Julian a lovely necklace of coral peach beads. For me, he asked. For you, Miho. And taking him by the hand, they walked out of the apartment. Where are we going, Abuela? he asked. You'll see. They walked past people walking their dogs and others who were out for their shopping, and then they turned a corner to the most amazing sight. A large group of lovely people dressed as all sorts of amazing sea creatures. Why, it was a parade. Mermaids, said Julian. Yes, said Abuela, just like you, Miho. Let's join them. And they did. Today's reading is offered by the Reverend Dr. Gwendolyn Howard, a Unitarian Universalist minister who is a clinical social worker and a community minister affiliated with First Unitarian Church in Providence, Rhode Island. The poem appears as part of a new collection titled, We're Right Here, Transgender and Non-Binary Unitarian Universalist Leaders. The poem is titled, The Invisible Woman. Behind a facade, I hid my soul, 
I feared what others would say, and I feared what I knew to be true. But I heard you singing in four-part harmony that everyone, everyone is beautiful. And I hoped that everyone included me. I wanted to join your song. I wanted to raise my voice with yours. And that's when I discovered that everyone doesn't mean all. You told me to be silent. You told me to go back to the shadows. You told me to disappear again. You said it was for the best if my soul remained hidden. Did I have some hideous Medusan power to harden the order of creation into ugliness? That is what I heard you say. I believed you. I believed you for a time. But my soul's tears and its longing to live its own truth grew more powerful than any admonitions, than any fears, and I began to sing. A small voice at first, shaky and tentative. It was a small voice that could not, would not stop as my own music slowly crescendoed with confidence, my hymn soon rang out, enough, enough, I will step into the sunlight, I will sing myself, the song of my soul will be heard. Though I could never raise my voice in your chorus, you can join my choir of glorious harmony. As I have been freed so might you find freedom also. Not an easy freedom, but it is born of pain and experience, of innocence and hope. It is a divine oratorio. Yet our tune can only begin if you believe that I am just as beautiful as anyone and that we are just as beautiful as each other. So ends our reading. It is a divine oratorio, yet our tune can only begin if you believe that I am just as beautiful as anyone, and that we are just as beautiful as each other. Reverend Howard's words from our opening reading today reflect her story of exclusion and heartbreak as a trans leader in our denomination. With a Master of Arts from the University of Chicago and a Doctorate of Divinity from Meadville Lombard School of Theology, 
She began her ministry in a Unitarian church in the 1990s. When she decided in 1995 that she needed to come out, she was asked to leave her ministry position. And while the Unitarian Universalist Association staff said they supported her, she was told that she should not seek to serve another parish as a minister, for she would not receive a call. She went on to earn a Master of Social Work, and she is now a therapist and a community-affiliated minister with the First Unitarian Church of Providence, Rhode Island. Unfortunately, Reverend Howard's experience is not unusual. In January of this year, the Trans-Religious Professional Unitarian Universalists Together, also known as TRUST, released the results of a survey of trans-Unitarian Universalists. The report uses the word trans expansively, quote, to refer to all people whose gender identities or lack thereof do not align according to mainstream expectations with their birth assigned sex. So the internal sense does not necessarily match the sex assigned at birth. This report named the lack of inclusion that trans UUs feel in our congregations and in our denomination. Trust has called for cisgendered people to listen when trans people speak, to amplify trans UU voices, and to understand this moment as a time for learning, increased accountability, and spiritual growth. Cisgender is a term that was coined in the 1990s based on the Latin cis, C-I-S, which means on this side, which is considered the opposite of trans, which means on the other side. Cisgender is used to describe those whose gender identity, the sense that they feel themselves to be, their internal sense of gender, according to mainstream social expectations, matches the sex that they were assigned at birth. Transgender is used to describe those whose gender identity, their internal sense of who they feel themselves to be, does not match the sex that they were assigned at birth. As a cisgender person, this morning I am seeking to respond to the call to center trans UU voices. I cannot speak to the experience of being trans. I can lift up trans voices in our denomination and amplify the call to create a welcome that includes truly everyone. The trust report is based on the responses of 278 people of diverse identities and experiences who completed a survey in the spring of 2018. The entire survey and results are online. If you're interested, you can look it up. Compared to other UUs, those who responded to the survey were more racially diverse, younger, 
and more likely to have been raised as Unitarian Universalist. Mm -hmm. Many reported not feeling spiritually nourished in their congregations. Some reported feeling uncomfortable asking for pastoral care from their ministers. And most reported feeling excluded in congregational life. Many reported that they had experienced other identity-related exclusions, such as racism, classism, ableism, and ageism. Many left their congregations feeling as if they did not belong. I believe this report calls us to revisit our welcome, how we offer hospitality. This congregation has earned recognition as a welcoming congregation, meaning that we've been intentional about examining our welcome to those who identify as LGBTQI. And we know that this is not something that we do once and we're done. Offering welcome is an ongoing process of building relationships, which includes listening to the requests and needs of others and modifying our welcome in response. And there is a spectrum of responses that we humans have to those that we perceive as different from us, ranging from hostility and violence to hospitality and welcome and everything in between. There is invisibility, with the person at the center refusing to see the other at all, denying their existence. There is the denial of differences, choosing to say that we are all the same, which can be described by those on the margins as a dismissal of their lived experience. Differences have consequences in our society, and access to the fruits of our democracy and our economic system are not the same for everyone. And then there is not being seen because it makes the people at the center uncomfortable. Those of us who are cisgender may feel worried that we will say something wrong or give offense to someone that we perceive is different from us. Earlier this year, I met with the usher and greeter teams here at OUUC. And I mentioned that many of us are taught the golden rule. Do you know that rule? That golden rule that says, do unto others as you would like others to do unto you. Every religious tradition offers this insight that we are called to welcome the stranger. And this is a very good place to start. In the Christian tradition, it's expressed as love thy neighbor as thyself. In our Unitarian Universalist theology, it's expressed in our first principle, where we affirm and promote the inherent worth and dignity of all people. As a way to expand our welcome and live more deeply into our first principle, in addition to the golden rule, I offered to our ushers and greeters the platinum rule. Mm -hmm. Treat others as they want to be treated. 
treat others as they want to be treated. Notice the shift in perspective from ourselves as we want to be treated to the other as they want to be treated. We take ourselves out of the center of attention and we place others there instead. I was introduced to the Platinum Rule by disability rights advocates who were working hard for legal protections for people with disabilities to make decisions about their own lives. For centuries, the rights of people with disabilities were not even recognized, let alone honored. Decisions about people with physical and psychological disabilities were made on their behalf, sometimes with good intention, sometimes not. There is a long history of exploitation, abuse, and violence against vulnerable people, people on the margins. So disability advocates use the platinum rule as an easy way to articulate their request. Simply treat us as we want to be treated. As one advocate told me, ask us what we want and listen. Just because my legs don't work don't mean my brain don't work. One of the concepts that has been explored in depth in mainline Christian churches is the idea of radical hospitality. <clears throat> in a blog titled Rethinking Church, they offer this. As a disruption to the cycles of brokenness, radical hospitality requires a fundamental shift from a simple practice of offering welcome to an outward movement to stand with others, particularly those who are at society's margins. With the publication of the Trust Report, I believe that we are being called and invited into radical hospitality. One of the ways that UUs who identify as trans, gender, queer, and non-binary say they feel marginalized in our congregations is how they are addressed. Yep, I'm going to talk about pronouns. <laughs> because it's about pronouns, and it's about so much more than pronouns. So last month, Miriam Webster, you know the dictionary people, they published an update to their definition of the pronoun they, and they issued a clarification about its usage. The dictionary folks noted that the pronoun they has been used since the 1300s to describe someone whose gender is unknown. So the use of they to describe one single person, as opposed to they describing a group, has been in use for centuries. What is newer is that the pronoun they is now used to describe someone who does not identify with the gender binary, either male or female. So the dictionary has now added a fourth definition of they that says this, used to refer to a single person whose gender identity is non-binary. So the use of they for a single person is grammatically correct and has been for a long time. 
they is now also recognized as a descriptor for those who identify as non-binary. So for those of us who learned that we shouldn't use they to describe one person, well, we've learned something. And I confess that I am one of those persons who has struggled with using they as a singular pronoun. And I have my first grade teacher, Mrs. Fritz, to blame for that. (laughs) Yeah. Grammar was very important to Mrs. Fritz. This was a little while ago, so clearly she's had an impact on my life. And I hear Mrs. Fritz's scolding voice every single time I use they to address a single person. I've come to understand this as an example of systemic transphobia, systemic oppression. So think about it. No doubt Mrs. Fritz was taught proper grammar, and it was clearly her job to teach proper grammar to her students, including me, that the only grammar that was taught was a reflection of a false and rigid gender binary is where the oppression became part of the larger system. Mrs. Fritz was educated along with lots of other teachers and then educated hundreds of students, including me. And that is how systemic injustice works and gets passed on. So even more important than learning about proper pronouns, we have something to learn from our trans, gender queer, and non-binary siblings. They are asking to be called by the pronouns that they choose, not the pronouns that others choose for them. They are asking that we all recognize The gender binary is not an accurate description of reality of people and really never has been. Humans have defied the gender binary since before they was a pronoun. First peoples recognize those who are two-spirit. India recognizes a third gender for those who do not adopt the gender binary. There have always existed people who do not fit in the boxes with rigid expectations about what it means to be a particular gender. Always. We are now being asked to discard the boxes altogether and see people for who they are. So using the pronouns that someone prefers is an application of the platinum rule. Treat others as they wish to be treated. And this is an act of radical hospitality. When we recognize how important pronouns are, ask about them, and use the ones identified by others, we are stepping out of the center and inviting others into the center instead. We are offering more than a welcome to each other. We are offering true belonging. For those of us who are usually in the center, we are asking to journey with those who are on the margins. And this act of radical hospitality is an act of justice. It's about the pronouns, and it's about so much more than the pronouns. It is much bigger much deeper and much more sacred than a word. 
at its heart, radical hospitality is about extending our community beyond those who are already here to welcome those who are not. It is about having a theology that extends beyond outreach and charity and makes a commitment to work for justice. The term hospitality comes from the Latin hospes, hospital, hospice, hospitable, hospitality. All of these words come from the same root word, which means generous, caring, and sustaining. Part of the spiritual history of hospitality in the West begins with the creation of the monasteries in the 5th century CE. They became places where strangers could go for care and lodging. The very first hospitals in the West were in monasteries. One of the most famous monks of that time was Saint Benedict, who founded 12 monasteries in Italy and who created a book of rules for his monks to live by called the Rule of Benedict which is still used to this day. The very first words of Benedict's rule are this. Listen carefully and incline with the ear of your heart. Listen with the ear of your heart. This reminds me of the words of UU minister Nell Newton who serves in Amarillo, Texas, Reverend Nell says that in Unitarian Universalism, we don't save souls, we see souls. We see each other with the eyes of our heart. The rules of Benedict are a helpful way to frame radical hospitality because they invite us into spiritual practice. Radical hospitality is a spiritual practice grounded in our Unitarian Universalist principles that also grounds our work for justice. It is a simple practice. Ask, listen, act. And we may not always get it right when we act. There is a risk in reaching across boundaries. There is a risk in building deep relationship. Our eyes and our ears and our hearts sometimes don't see or hear exactly right. We may have broken our vows a thousand times, yet radical hospitality requires that we be courageous and vulnerable enough to ask, listen with our heart, act, and learn and try again. I confess earlier that I have struggled using they as a pronoun. I still do. And I also know that it has gotten easier with practice. I have learned to listen with my heart. And I have learned to apologize. I apologize whenever I use something other than preferred pronouns. Sometimes I catch myself. And sometimes I am gently reminded by others. I don't always get it right. I have decades of learning to undo. But it is important to me that I practice, 
that I engage in the spiritual practice of radical hospitality. It is important to me that I listen to others and accept their offer to teach me. And it is most important to me that I am part of a movement that offers radical hospitality so that everyone knows they belong. Julian's abuela in our story is a beautiful model of radical hospitality. She saw Julian with the eye of her heart. She took him by the hand and she showed him his tribe. She showed him that he belonged as a mermaid. May we all be so lucky as to have elders like that in our lives. And perhaps some of us in this room could be that elder. So this week, I invite you to take a risk. Try an act of radical hospitality. Just one. You might share your pronouns, or you might ask someone else theirs. You might help someone find their tribe, seeing them with the eyes of your heart. You might offer true belonging. We shall be known by the company we keep. It is our work in the world to create the divine oratorio that Reverend Howard dreams of, where we can join our voices together, all singing, Come, come, whoever you are, and truly, truly meaning it. May we have the courage to be vulnerable and risk deep relationship. May we have the courage to listen with the ears of our heart. And may we have the courage to create a faith tradition that sees souls, our souls, all souls. May this be so. Blessed be and amen.